Well, good morning. And uh, like I always say, just appreciate your, your comments and interaction on the comment thread there. Um, it just helps on this end of things and maybe for other people since we can't, since we're not meeting in, in person for the sermons. But um, yeah, we just greatly appreciate all of you and love you all. This morning, I just want to share about, you know, kind of in light of the current conditions in our nation, just uh, the wheat and tear parable. And I just feel like what we're seeing a lot in our nation is there's there's a harvest right now. And there's actually places in America where there's mass baptisms going on. I know Jacksonville Beach down in Florida had a weekend where hundreds of people were baptized. Out in California, there's been hundreds of people baptized in the Pacific Ocean. And uh, we've had friends up in the, the CHOP Chaz zone up in Seattle see many people give their lives to the Lord who are in one moment pointing guns and in the, the, the next moment accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So there is a, this is a, an opportune time for the harvest and, and Jesus talks about the harvest time in Matthew chapter 13. And so he tells the disciples this parable about the harvest. He says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in the field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Then how does it have tares? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. The slave said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, for while you're gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the end, and in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. And so right now, you know, there's tares. There is a, uh, there was a weed that looked a lot like wheat um, back in that day. And, and it, until the kernels would, would sprout, you couldn't tell the difference between the wheat and the tear. And so this is what Jesus is talking about. Until it matures and it's time for harvest, you can't tell the wheat from the tear. So if you'll, you'll tear up even maybe what God is doing if you if you're trying to tear down at the at the wrong time and how this applies to our nation is that i think that god is doing a work in our nation i feel like he's awakening us i feel like he's bringing unity to the body of christ i feel like he's really teaching us and showing us how to love our neighbor as ourself in view of the racial tensions in view of what we've ignored in you know in the church and so he's doing a work among all his, of his people that are different shades of brown. And I say shades of brown because we actually all have the same melanin in our skin, just different degrees and uh, different proportions. 
And so God is really, we're so much more alike than we are different. I mean, there's only 0.02% difference between a DNA-wise between a, a black person and a white person. And it's, it's really as it pertains to our, the melanin in our skin. But Jesus, you know, what he's doing in the church right now, he's, answer, he's actually answering the prayer of Jesus out of John 17, where Jesus asked that all of us, all of the followers of his, would be one as he and the Father are one. And so we can't, all of this stuff that maybe we've ignored and just kind of hope goes away between uh, the white church and black church per se, has got to be confronted in order to be healed. Um, but at the same time, there's things in the name of uh, racial justice or social justice that are actually causing division and causing harm and are not being done in love. And so that's where the wheat and tears comes up. And, and maybe there's, you know, a lot of people are confused. A lot of people uh, don't know how to respond. They, you know, especially maybe as a white person, you don't know how to, to show love to your your black brother or sister because everything is being so politicized and, and weaponized even. And so, um, you know, it's my job as a pastor to just help provide some direction. You know, we're all accountable for our own lives. But it says he who teaches is will be judged more strictly. And, and so there is a, I have to give answer to the Lord as a teacher of the word, as a pastor that, hey, you know what, Lord, I didn't neglect this. I didn't cover my eyes. I didn't put my hand, head in the sand concerning this issue. And so I think, you know, in this season of social distancing, maybe what God is doing is revealing the social distance in our hearts. And, and so, um, as we move forward in this, the one thing we have to remember is that anything other than the cross as our way forward is idolatry. The only way forward is through the, the cross of Jesus Christ. And it starts with the church. The church has to, to lead in this and then the world will follow. So, um, you know, one of the things that the devil does is he is the accuser of the brethren brethren. In Revelations 12 verse 10, it says that the accuser accuses the brethren day and night before God. Now, what's interesting is this word accuser is the Greek word categoros, which is where we get the word categories from. So one of the devil's uh, tools or techniques for accusing us is putting us into categories, sweeping generalizations, uh, hey, lumping everybody into one group. So it's easy to judge and it's easy to malign people when you don't know them personally, when you put them into a group and when, you, um, when it's impersonal. But he tries to put us in categories. And, you know, Paul said, he, Paul, talks about deconstructing categories. It says there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave, Greek, barbarian, Scythian. He says there's no categories in Jesus Christ. And it's like we don't act like we, we're not different. 
we recognize differences and we we appreciate those things but but Paul says there's under the blood of Christ there's only those who are covered in the blood and those who are not and so it's really simple in the kingdom of God um, it, even in the midst of like I said there's lots of confusion in our world today and so you know my role as a pastor is to uh, to not be silent and and to speak on the things that that need that God tells me to speak on Isaiah 56 talks about shepherds it says his his watchmen are blind all of them know nothing all of them are mute dogs unable to bark dreamers lying down who love to slumber and the dogs are greedy they're not satisfied they are shepherds who have no understanding they have all turned to their own way each one to his unjust gain to the last one Come, they say, let us get wine and let us drink heavily of strong drink. And tomorrow will be like today, only more so. And so there's dogs, so to speak, that try to devour God's flock. And they're never going to be satisfied until they steal, kill, and destroy. And, uh, you know, Winston Churchill once said, an appeaser is one who feeds a crocodile, hoping that he eats him last. And so there's a time where as uh, as the people of God, we put on the full armor of God and we stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And this is, we're living in a time and age where, where God is calling us to stand firm to the gospel, that Jesus Christ have preeminence in all things. There's no healing without him. There's no justice without him. There's no unity without Jesus Christ. And so 2 Timothy chapter 3 talks about um, it gives a description of people basically apart from God in the last days. And people who are not living uh, by the Spirit. And I, I say that there's Christians that can fall into this when they're, when they're living by the flesh and, and, and according to their, their carnal mind, that they can get into this. But, it's, um, but it says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, underline ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, lovers of, thems of themselves, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure, holding to a form of godliness, although they deny its power. And then he says, avoid such men as these. And so, I want to go back to that word ungrateful and highlight it because ungratefulness is really a sign of carnal and wicked thinking. Um, this is entryway into God's presence is, is to give thanks to the Lord. We, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And so when all you can see is the bad and all you can see is, is the wrong, if, we're, if our thoughts, even as Christians, are being 
bombarded by this and we can't give thanks for things that we have, then then we're operating under a carnal mind. And it's and it says that the carnal mind is hostile towards God. In Romans eight, it says it can't even comprehend the things of God. And so when we when we get into ungrateful, unthankful thinking, we're not giving thanks to God. All we can do is see the bad, see um, what's negative, then we're getting into a mind that's hostile towards God. And so, um, you know, you had Job that had every thing that could go wrong, went wrong in his life. And he questioned God's justness, he, he, uh, or justice and, and righteousness. He questioned God's sovereignty. And in the end, God told him who he was and Job ended up repenting in dust and ashes and being restored double-fold. And there's just things that, always things to be grateful for, no matter how difficult it can be to see those things, but we have to practice it and make it a lifestyle. And so the other word I wanna highlight is irreconcilable. And there's, there's gonna be people who don't want reconciliation. It doesn't mean that you don't try. It just means that you have to recognize that there's some people that um, they don't want reconciliation. And, and to be reconciled, you actually, you first have to be conciliatory, meaning you got to have a relationship with people. The only way for us to be reconciled is to get into relationship with, with people that might be, um, have different points of view than us. And doesn't mean you got to agree with them or anything like that. It just means that we got to be in relationship. We've got to enter into uh, relationship and communities that are different from us. So the terrors. So I'm going to just point out some things that are that are I believe are terrors in our nation right now that are leading some people astray that are a false justice movement. Um, God's all about justice. He's, uh, we're all created in his image, beautiful in his sight, fearfully and wonderfully made. But there are things that, that are terrors that the devil is using to destroy and tear down and bring disunity. And um, these are some of the, the things I'm, I'm gonna point out. And I also just wanna know, want you to know that people who are part of these things God loves them and wants them to be reconciled to him. Just like all of us were enemies of God at one point, but he had mercy on us and died for us even while we were sinners. And so um, one of the things about the United States and all of its flaws and atrocities is that there's, there's good things about our country as, as well. And it's the fact, one of the things is that our country actually has the, the ability to change and amend laws to make wrong things right. And so, um, and so there's other governments, most governments over the history of the world have been dictatorships or kingships. And, you know, it's, there's not much room to be able to, or, or power for the, the, the common people to be able to actually change things. And so we have a democratic system, we have a republic, where we actually have a voice. And so we get to vote for those in office. We get to uh, appeal or make 
sign petitions. We get to call our congressmen and our representatives to help make change in legislation. And, uh, and so this is one of the beautiful things about our country is that even when there's evil being done, we can, we can actually have processes to try to change those things. Other, many other countries don't even have those processes available for justice to be served. And so I want to talk, just touch on a little bit about Marxism, which is, was just a uh, ideology that's really rooted in bitter jealousy and strife, which are manifestations of the demonic, uh, according to James chapter 3, verse 15. It says, if you have bitter jealousy and strife among you, these, this is the wisdom that's not from above. This is the demonic wisdom. It's natural wisdom. And they uh, believe that the way to change people is to change society, Marxists. And for those who follow the most progressive versions of Marxism, uh, they want to dismantle society and recreate it from the ground up. So this is what Lenin tried to do in Russia, and this is what Mao tried to do in China. And so if you believe, as I do, that sin such as racism originates in the human heart and manifests itself in society, then you're going to be able to recognize that this uh, idea of being able to have a utopia with an evil human heart is not going to succeed. It's not going to work because whatever society you build from scratch is still going to have problems because you have humans involved. The Jeremiah 17.7 says the heart is desperately sick, it's wicked. And so, um, basically, anything that man touches, it starts deteriorating. Anything Jesus touches, it starts healing and, and building and bringing life. And so things have to, to be done through the cross. Um, I want to talk about Black Lives Matter. And the statement, Black Lives Matter, is something that I support and I endorse. And I believe any Christian who loves Jesus can say that black lives matter without batting an eye because they do. It's a fact. Black lives do matter. The organization Black Lives Matter has Marxist roots. One of the one of the founders has admitted that they're trained Marxists. And so they're trained in upsetting uh, society and trying to overturn and create basically governments from overthrow governments and create different ones in the place which is what like i said has happened in russia it happened in china and millions 60 million people lost their lives in maoist china over 20 million lost their lives in stalin and stalinist russia and so it's an ideology that creates destruction and death and, and so Black Lives Matter as an organization um, is, they're, they're, they're speaking for justice for, uh, for black people, which I support, but behind it is they're trying to, uh, they're encouraging LGBTQ lifestyles, which if you've been around their awakening at all, you know we're not scared of those things. But we don't call what's evil good and what's good evil. We all are sinners and need Jesus to heal us. And so 
these things don't separate you from God any more than than stealing or, or, or lying. But they're they, they're pushing this agenda of this being the normal of being um, of, of being anti-God. They're for Planned Parenthood. They're for abortion. They uh, support the breakdown of the nuclear family and the murder and, like I said, the, the murder of innocent babies in the womb, which most of these babies are black babies. Planned Parenthood is a racist organization that founded by Margaret Sanger, who was using it to try to get rid and uh, of the black population, and or at least tame the black population. She didn't. She, she didn't want too many blacks out there. And it's well documented uh, about Margaret Sanger and her, her racist ideologies. But she's the founder of Planned Parenthood. And to this day, the fruit of her, of her ideology is, is coming to pass because more black babies are aborted in our nation than any other color. Um, and so, on the, on the Black Lives Matters website, it says, we dismantle the patriarchal practice that requires mothers to work double shifts so they can mother in private even as they participate in public justice work. In, in other words, they are saying fathers aren't necessary. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. And so they're, like again, just reaffirming their stance that, that fathers aren't really that necessary. Uh, Antifa, this is pretty obvious. They uh, are just about considered a ter terrorist organization. They're the ones that started a lot of the uh, the rioting and looting in the cities, and it's and Antifa is actually was born in a out of a communist German party in the 1930s, and then you have um, just other groups I won't get into. I've talked to before actually about the National Women National Organization of Women that has a very detailed plan that started in the 60s on how to get rid of men in the home. So all this is to say is that there's there's causes that pose as, as justice for all people, but if Jesus is not the center of it, it's not going to bring justice. It's not going to bring freedom, and it's not going to it's not going to bring a an understanding. Um, you know, the cross is our one great equalizer. Whatever our ethnicity or social privilege. We all kneel before the cross as wicked sinners who desperately need the cleansing of Christ's blood. And so, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, Paul's telling Timothy, he says, You followed my teaching, you followed my con conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, <clears throat> persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch at Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out, of them all the, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I'm going to say that one again. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus 
will be persecuted. I have to admit, this isn't like my favorite stuff to preach on. But this is the word of God. And I'm accountable to the Lord before anybody else. And so we will be persecuted for living godly lives to some degree. We'll be persecuted. And at some point in our lives, uh, we have to understand that we're going to stand in contrast to the world. We swim upstream against the current of the world. So you were going to, we're called to stand out simply by taking a stand. By simply taking a stand, living in the light, standing for the values and the principles of the kingdom of God, loving Jesus, not bowing the knee to another, all these things will bring persecution at some level or another. And, and sometimes people uh, are just, they're even just afraid of the name of Jesus. And, and, and I've encountered that many times that once I said Jesus, people started running the other way. And, and God longs to show mercy to those people. He loves those people. Um, Herod, who spit in Jesus's face before he went to the cross, Jesus loved Herod. He loved Pontius Pilate. He loved the Pharisees. And, but, he, but the way he spoke to them was different. He spoke to the Pharisees in a very sharp way to try to help wake them up out of their religious slumber and see that, hey, the Messiah you've been longing for, I'm him and I'm he and I'm right in front of your face. But he, he had to say some pretty, pretty harsh things to them, calling them whitewashed tombs, calling them, their disciples twice the sons of hell as they are. And, and uh, but it was the, for the purpose of trying to wake them up and, and, and shake them so that they could come into salvation. In James chapter 4, it says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, James is not beating around the bush here. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? You're an enemy, enemies with God. You're at odds with God. Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. We can't be friends with the world and friends with God. And what he means by that is you can't adopt the ways of the world. We're not called to live it. Of course, we're going to have friends that maybe don't know the Lord. We're going to be in workplaces that are not honoring God. That's not, that's not what Paul is saying here, or excuse me, James is saying here. What he's saying is don't be friendly with the ways of the world, with the way the world does things. You know, the world, they, it's always trying to step on somebody else to exalt themselves. Whereas Jesus, who was exalted above everyone else, came and humbled himself. To become servant of all. And so this is the attitude that we're to take. Uh, back to Second Timothy chapter 3, he says in verse 13, But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, 
deceiving and being deceived. So these people that are uh, supporting and encouraging and anarchy, violence, looting, all that kind of stuff, they're not only deceiving people, but they're actually deceived. They, they think they're doing the right thing for a lot of them. But, but that's why it's deception. <laughs> that's why it's called deception. You don't know what you're doing. And so you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. So what I want you to take away from this passage is that the Bible is sufficient to make us mature, to train us, to teach us, to correct us in all the righteous ways of God. In other words, the Bible is sufficient for justice. It's sufficient for, for the topic of racism. It's sufficient for the topic of unity. It's sufficient for the topic of good news and hope. The Bible is sufficient. So being rooted in Scripture is what we need, need to move in healing and reconciliation in the church. So... Uh, we have to know the word, we have to eat the word, we have to rally around the gospel. We've been saying this for weeks and we have to keep repeating it so that we get it. Um, and this is where I'm talking about there's a lot of confusion. It's because moral and justice issues can get confusing and get cloudy when we start requiring reading outside of the Bible in order to get understanding. So. What I'm saying is this, I'm not saying don't read books on these, on these topics. But what I'm saying is the, the gospel, the Bible has to be the point of conversation. That's where our conversations have to revolve around. Um, and so for the matters of healing, forgiveness, and re reconciliation, it's important that we use our biblical language. And so... When you require somebody to say, hey, read the Bible and then read, read these five books to get understanding, the question then becomes, well, outside of the Bible, who's educating you? Who's educating you? We want the, we want the Holy Spirit to educate us. We want him to lead us. And so I think it's very clear that the Bible condemns racism and admonishes us to lay down our lives for our brethren in sacrificial love. And it says the Bible is sufficient for teaching, reproof, correction, so that the man of God, woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And so oftentimes I'll check myself by saying, can the Christian who is a Chinese farmer and only has the Bible understand what we're talking about, having only the Bible? That's how I check myself. And, you know, Watchman Nee... You know, he tells a beautiful story of how, as Christians, we're to respond uh, to our enemies and to injustices or to when people, because we live from a different plane. And so he was talking about this uh, 
this this Chinese farmer who had rice fields, and his neighbor would he was above his neighbor's rice fields, and his neighbor would breach his rice field walls and let the water from his from the uh, his neighbor's water flow down and and water his rice fields, and so. The, the Christian farmer, he was the guy that had that was having the water being stolen from him. And he kept it, and he, he noticed that his neighbor was doing this. And so he went to his uh, fellow Christian brothers and he said, what should I do about this? He's stealing water from, from me. I don't know what to do. I, and, and one of the, his Christian brothers, he said, well, we'd be sorry Christians if we <laughs> did this the way the world would do it, which would be give me my right back, give me my water back or pay me back or however it is. And so they advised him to water his fields first every day before he watered his own fields, even though this guy was stealing water. So, so he started doing that. For, so for, for a few days, he started watering his neighbor's fields before he ever watered his fields. And his neighbor eventually, he's like, what are you doing? Why are you watering my fields? I was stealing your water. And he shared the gospel with his neighbor. And this neighbor eventually became a believer in Christ because of the actions, because of this Christian farm, Chinese farmer laying down his life and seeking the good of his neighbor before himself. And so I just love that story because that's how we show Christ to the world. And, and it doesn't mean you compromise any values or any morals. There's no compromise involved in that. That's the, that's, he's actually living the gospel out. Jesus said, if somebody asks for your cloak, give them your tunic also. If they ask to walk with you a mile, you go a second mile. So this is the way of the, this is the way of the kingdom. And there's, there is a, you know, there's right and wrong, but there's something higher than right and wrong. It's called the way of life. And, and, and what I mean by that is Jesus came to fulfill the law. I believe there's right and wrong. But what I mean is that right and wrong demands justice. It demands like equal, equal scales, right? The way of life doesn't demand that. The way, because Jesus, if the scales were, were weighed, Jesus would, his righteousness would far outweigh ours, and he wouldn't have, he would have never died on the cross if we're doing things fairly, if we're doing things equally. He would have never died on the cross for us. But what he did was he suffered injustice for us that we may receive justice. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says that we're justified by faith. We're made right by faith in Christ Jesus. So there's no, there's really no justice that you can ever accomplish and ever receive apart from repentance, apart from faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I want to just leave you with Romans chapter 12. And these, these, are, these are verses you don't really have to ex explain a whole lot. They're pretty self-explanatory. But in Romans chapter 12, verse 14 through 21, it says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. 
and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. That's why I tell myself and I've told people for years, the only way to have wisdom is to seek the one who has wisdom. And that come, wisdom only comes from God. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, as, 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 in other words, as much as we're able to be at peace with all men, never take your own revenge, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And this phrase, heap burning coals on their head, a lot, some people have misunderstood this, and, you, and it's understanding a little bit of Jewish history and, and culture, is that every morning there was a, a person assigned with the task of they, they would keep a fire going all night and they would have, and so by the morning time when everybody's waking up and they're getting ready to start the day, this person who's been keeping a fire all night, they, they take these hot coals into some kind of container that they would carry actually on their head. I don't know how they didn't burn their head, but I'm sure they weren't burning their head, but they would carry it around and they, they'd go to every house in the village and give a coal to each person to start easily so they could just go ahead and start their fires without having to spend 30 minutes to an hour making coals or, or creating a fire on their own because they didn't have lighter fluid, they didn't have all the things that I use to start fires. And so this person, would they go around and, and says, the hot coals would be on their head. And so this person was seen as a blessing in the village because they, they serve the village in that way. And so this is what it's talking about. But do not overcome evil by evil, overcome evil with good. So love drives out fear and leave vengeance to the Lord. And, uh, you know, last night at the July 4th celebration at our house, we listened to America the Beautiful. My favorite version is the Ray Charles version. Ray Charles might be my favorite singer of all time. But the full poem of America the Beautiful has I taken out a few of these these verses because I just think it's like great prayers for us to pray. So it says, America, America, God mend thine every flaw. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. America, America, may gold, may God thy gold refine till all success be nobleness in every game divine. America, America, God shed his grace on thee till selfish gain no longer strain the banner of the free. 
And so I want to pray for us, Jesse. You want to come over here? Share anything? Do you have anything you want to share? Um, I just wanted to uh, just say one thing before we pray, but we talk often about living in the tension, and this is definitely a time where we're living in the tension, um, and how and finding ways to water our neighbor's field. And so um, that would be a question I would say that you guys could discuss with one another after, is how can you water your neighbor's field? And you know, some of our neighbors don't feel like our enemy at all, and some of our neighbors do feel like our enemy. But as the human race, we have to remember that we're brothers and sisters down the line. Whether we agree with each other, or we disagree with each other, or we understand, or we don't understand, if we can get our hearts back to the place where this, this is my family as the human race, and we can look at each other through those eyes of compassion, grace will come. But then if we go a step further, and if you're watching this and you're a believer, then we're a part of the body of Christ. Not only are we one family, but we are called to work together as a family. So this isn't just, this isn't a distant relative. This is a person that we're called to run with, to work with, to labor with for the gospel. And so I loved what Travis said and when he said that there was a way to live in the tension without compromising the gospel. So the two things that I would say after this video is how can you water your neighbor's field from that story Travis told about the rice field? And the second thing is just take a minute and summarize the gospel according to what's in your heart. What happens when we do that, when we say, what is the gospel? And you just answer that question is you find out sometimes that you might not know what the gospel is. So then look in the word and what the gospel is and discuss it, discuss the gospel. It's really important that we know the word and what the gospel is because that's what we're called to expand is the gospel. As believers, we're to represent the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so um, so we, we are praying for our nation. We're praying for our communities. We're praying for those who are more under persecution than maybe they ever have been before, um, for church leaders um, in, the, in the different races of churches, um, because we do, our prayer is that the chains will be broken and that freedom will come through the blood of Jesus, because everything Jesus touches starts to heal. That's right. Yeah. So real quickly, if, um, I just keep hearing the name Jeremiah, and if somebody named Jeremiah comes across this video, I just want you to know that, that God loves you. He's thinking about you. He sees you through the apple of his eye. And he's been doing things in your life to let you know that he's real. And, and he's using this moment right here just to confirm that, that he's real and he, and he loves you. So Jeremiah, you're created in the image of God. You're wonderfully and fearfully made. Jesus loves you. Come home to the Father through Jesus Christ, the Son, through faith in Jesus Christ, asking him to forgive you of your sins. 
and to give you eternal life and to make you new, to wash you clean. He will do it. I'm going to pray for us. Lord, we, we thank you for what you're doing in our nation, God. We thank you what you're doing in the body of Christ. I thank you that you are the king of the earth. Lord, that we can we can be still and know that you are God, that you will be exalted in the in the nations, you will be exalted in the earth. Lord, we, we are asking for a, a great awakening in the body of Christ. Lord, wake us up. Wake us up. Unveil yourself to us, Lord, that we may all see that we may see you for your glory, that we may see the glory of the cross and your resurrection. And Lord, that there would be a supernatural hunger and thirst for righteousness. God, that, that we would be a desperate people, a hungry people. Lord, give us supernatural hunger, God. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our eyes that we may see you. Have mercy on us as, as a nation. Father, we pray against COVID-19. We declare all the numbers to have a dramatic turn around and decrease right now, Father. We, we command the numbers to go down, the cases of being affected, uh, of people being affected to go down in Jesus' name. We declare over the United States of America that by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. And we, we declare COVID-19 to be cast into the sea and remember no more. Thank you, Father. And we pray for that unity through the power of the Holy Spirit coming to the body of Christ, that all of your children all of all different shades, Lord, we come into to being one as you and the Father are one, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.